0: good morning you beautiful people this is the chandler carney show and we are back i've been out for uh, for a little bit i've been getting um some things lined up i'm happy to announce that the show is uh available on apple podcast now so for a lot of you out there there are iphone users that strictly do that uh, this is a, a great way for you to listen to the show now if you wouldn't mind uh, that's the easiest way to give a rating and leave a review I will read all positive and negative reviews on the show. Shout you out. We have a loaded show today. Uh, it was a great weekend in football, especially in college football, in my opinion. There's a lot of headlines that are circulating now. We also, I also interviewed um, an analytics guy. I've talked about analytics on the show and how it's kind of changing uh, football. And I brought in – Brendan Kent joins us, and and we have a conversation together, and it's really interesting. So I hope you all give that a listen and and let Brendan know uh, what you think of it and just tweet him and let him know, you know, hey, man, enjoyed it. Thanks for coming on. And read some of his stuff because it it is uh, phenomenal what what he's doing. So without further ado, the podcast begins now.
1: You're listening to The Chandler Carney Show. Brought to you by Air Raid Sports. No, here's your host, Chandler Carney.
0: So we'll start with the biggest game, in my opinion, of not only the weekend, but I think this is one of the best football games that we've seen all season, uh, NFL and college. And you may not think the same way. That's fine. But Coastal uh, BYU travels to Coastal Carolina, and this is a game that I'm about to give major props to both sides, especially BYU. So BYU, you know, they've had scheduling conflicts. I guess you could say, in the least, their whole schedule gets wiped out. They put together, um, you know, an entire schedule from scratch, and they caught a lot of heat for a couple things. Mainly, they're saying, you know, we'll play any any team, anytime, anywhere. And then, allegedly, uh, according to a lot of reports, they turned down the chance to play Washington. Now, that happened a couple weeks ago. I don't know if if I've talked about it on the show or not I think that was during uh, the break but let's just dive into that first because BYU said we're not going to play not because we don't want to not because we're scared of a power five team but because the Pac-12 was scheduling games and the way that they were doing it is and you saw this even like I think in week one if one team has a has COVID and cancels, but the other one doesn't, and say that happens twice in the conference, uh, they'll just take those two teams and move them to like Sunday or something, and and play uh, two Pac-12 teams against each other. And so BYU says, you know, we're we're not going to commit to that because we already uh, because the Pac-12 could schedule y'all a game, and then we're just left out to dry again. I also think that it's worth noting, and maybe this isn't how. It, it happened, but in my mind, this is what I would be thinking if I were the AD at BYU. Why would you help out a Pac-12 team when they did nothing to help you out before the season? They left you out to dry, basically to the point where you had to rework your entire schedule. So I wouldn't have done it just to be petty, just to say, you know, look, I'm not going to do you any favors. Like, we're ranked. We're, you know, we feel confident. About where we where we stand, maybe a little underrated because I think at this time, the um the first college football playoff rankings hadn't come out yet, and so they were kind of waiting for that. And so Washington didn't want to wait. I get that, but also get you know not wanting to, not wanting to do that game either uh, for whatever reason. But but the reason was they didn't want to commit to that game, and then the Pac-12 schedule a a Pac-12 game for for Washington. So Liberty is going on the road to play Coastal Carolina, and this was actually um, a a really big game on, you know, maybe not to the average fan, but if you're really into college football, this was an interesting matchup because Liberty, they've beaten two Power 5 teams already. And if we're being honest, they should have beaten three. Uh, North Carolina State did uh, sneak away with a the win there, but Liberty's having an amazing season. They're doing great things, and they're going on the road. This is a good matchup. We're probably going to see maybe who the who's the best of this group of five. And Liberty gets COVID issues. Game day's already committed to going to Coastal for this game, so you know there's a lot of energy around it. I also think that they're trying to make this Liberty Coastal Carolina. Um, a pretty big rivalry. I think the two schools are kind of pushing for that, and that's great. I, I think that is awesome for both schools for for college football in general. And so Liberty comes down with COVID issues um and and they find out maybe late Wednesday night that Liberty's probably not going to make this game. But they reach out to BYU and the two athletic directors, the two schools, uh, hats off to them. They worked this game out, and this game I uh, got scheduled, I think, either late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning, and BYU traveled, you know, over two thousand miles on, you know, like on very short notice to play in this game. And now we have a ranked matchup. Now we have uh, two teams that are, you know, trying to to say, you know, we're better than than what everybody thinks. A lot of people think BYU is overrated, and maybe that came, maybe made that decision Saturday night. But I will say this. This was a really fun game to watch. Coastal Carolina, the, the story behind this team, if you look at their players and what they're doing, it is incredible how they've, sustain winning and if you look at their D lineman they're not big they're not tall they're just short stocky guys and you really can tell that they want to win they want it they play together the Coastal Carolina offense to me I, I love it I love watching it I think it's been fun to watch all season if you haven't seen it, it's basically they're running the triple option from the sh- from the pistol, I guess you could say, and spreading the ball out, still running um, similar passing concepts to to maybe the air raid offense, and it's really fun to watch. And I think that now with with Coastal Carolina winning against BYU, uh, BYU obviously is is out but i think that I, you know i don't i talk all the time that i'm not big into moral victories or or anything like that but for them to schedule this game proves to you that they wanted to play a ranked team they wanted to 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 you know try to do what they can to get a signature win so hats off to them for just coming out to uh to the beach in conway south carolina and now I think there's a decision that needs to be made. You know, is it is Coastal Carolina going to get the group of five bid or is it going to be Cincinnati? And that is a very unique situation. And I've talked about Cincinnati a lot and how much I like them. All right, so with all the, the headline news so far uh, out of the way, we're, we'll move into the NFL a little bit. I want to talk about... Baker Mayfield for a second, and listen, you can love this guy. You can hate him. I think he's still a really good quarterback. I think he's still a really good football player. He may not show it all the time, but primetime Baker made a – you know, he made a, a rare noon appearance uh, yesterday. He threw for 334 yards and four touchdowns um, as the Browns, uh, they beat the Titans and moved to 9-3 and on the season they will finish with a winning record for sure. That is sealed now. So, that's a, If you're looking for moral victories as a Browns fan, uh, even if they lose every game from here on out, they're still going to uh, finish above 500. I think they're going to have a really good chance to to make the playoffs. They're kind of looking like the Titans of last year. They're kind of getting hot right here towards the end of the season. And – if I was in the AFC, I'd be a little scared about having to, to play them in the playoffs in round one. So hopefully they'll stay healthy and Baker will continue to play at this level. Maybe 334 yards and four touchdowns may not be sustainable for, you know, multiple weeks, but they're playing good football. And I think that if you're a Browns fan, things are kind of, they're finally looking looking good for you. Drew Brees is still out for the Saints, but the Saints are still rolling. They uh they beat the Falcons. And I think that Taysom Hill has kind of start, he's starting to put himself in the thing, in the conversation, saying, you know, maybe Sean Payton's right. Maybe this guy is a quarterback at the next level. He he had a he had a pretty good day through his first touchdown pass. So hats off to him and the Saints. The offense is looking really good. The defense is starting to play a lot better. And I think that's very key. They're starting to play like they're paid to play. So I think that, you know, they're number one still in the NFC. They've clinched their playoff berth. And hopefully it doesn't end in an absolute heartbreak this year. Uh, Losing on the last play of the game from a no-call or a Minneapolis miracle. So hopefully uh, they'll continue to do better. I think Drew Brees is going to – I think the earliest he can play is this Sunday. If I were the Saints, I wouldn't play him. I kind of sent him a couple more weeks. Um, I still think Drew Brees is a guy. I still think Drew Brees is – you know, he's obviously going to be the quarterback for the Saints as long as he's there, which I think this will be his last year. And maybe the Reigns will, will get turned over to Taysom Hill. But right now they're playing good football, and I think that they have a really good chance of making a run at the Super Bowl. The Chiefs played last night. Uh, I uh, I was doing a lot of driving yesterday, so I didn't really uh, get to watch a lot of this game. I did bet on it, and it didn't turn out well for me. Surprise, surprise. I think that the Chiefs, um, they can turn it on when they want to. Uh, Chiefs can turn it off whenever they want to. And it's almost just like they struggle against teams in their division that they shouldn't. Um, They did go back and handle the Raiders. But I think that if you're in the AFC, I think that the Chiefs going up a team like the Browns in the playoffs, if they met in the AFC championship game, I think that if I were the Chiefs and you know, if I was a Chiefs fan, I would be a little worried. I think the Browns, um, especially if they made it that far or are staying hot, um, could definitely um, beat them. I think the Titans definitely could. The Steelers, you know, they're playing tonight. They're still undefeated, but I don't know if they're looking great if you actually just dive into their games. Yes, they're winning. Yes, they're doing what they're supposed to do. But at the same time, uh, they they have not had the the hardest of schedules, and they've had some some pretty questionable wins. So looking at playoff pictures, um, I think you know the Chiefs and Saints have clinched their their spots in the playoffs. Um, the Steelers obviously have as well. It may not be, like, mathematically clinched yet, but they're going to the playoffs in some form or fashion, even if they lose out. So, in the NFC, you you know, early on, I thought the Seahawks may make a run at it, but they have looked very inconsistent. Uh, The Cardinals, uh, at times, look like they can definitely hang with anybody in the NFL, and then at times it looks like they're just, you know, a doormat. So the NFC is going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. I think that there are um three teams that definitely can can make a run at it. I think it's the Saints, the Seahawks and the and the Packers. I think the Packers are looking really good. Um whoever gets obviously that fifth seed is going to be sitting a lot better than anybody else uh, cuz they'll get to play the NFC's round 1. So I think those those three teams from the NFC right now, if I had to, to bet I would take one of them in the AFC. Um I really think that in the AFC, if I'm if I'm having to take three teams right now, it it would be the Chiefs, um, the Titans and the Browns. I, I really think the Browns are playing really good football. I really think that if the Steelers run into one of those teams that they're gonna end up losing. So, who knows? Maybe maybe I'm not giving the Steelers enough credit, but uh, top three teams to me in both, both the uh, conferences to see who can go to the next, to go make a run in the playoffs uh, would be those. Um, so, we got the Bills and the 49ers on the schedule tonight uh, playing Monday Night Football. This game is a little weird to me. Uh, the Bills, obviously, they're, the Bills are a good team. But they're one of those teams that they don't know if they want to suck or not. And so, this game, the line for this game is even money. It's a pick. And I think that the Bills should win this game handedly. I'm not saying they will, but I'm, I'm, i am they should. Um, I've bet the Bills tonight to, uh, to win and hopefully avoid a payout this week. Um, but... If you've been keeping up with the Steelers and a lot of their COVID issues and stuff, um, they're playing the Washington football team tonight or today. I think that game kicks off at five o'clock Central Time. Uh, so I don't. I mean, Steelers obviously should win this game. I think the spread the last time I looked was um, they were Steelers were a six and a half point favorite. So. I think the Bills and the Steelers will win today uh, for sure. And that will uh, wrap up this week in the NFL. And we'll we'll see where, you know, where everything stands um, on Wednesday with, with that. All right, guys, so uh, we're joined here right now by uh, Brendan Kent. Brendan is um, an analytics guy at DraftKings. He's the creator of Measurables Podcast, and it's a really good podcast for sports and analytics, even at all levels. If you're interested in that, go give that a listen. Uh, But welcome, Brennan Kent. How are you doing today, man?
1: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on.
0: Hey, man. Thanks for coming on us. I came across your um, Twitter. Twitter is actually wild. In some sense, you do an Analytics 101 uh, blog, um, I guess you could say, uh, series, and Mm -hmm is really interesting I read a couple of those and so my question uh first question is probably like three questions actually um so what exactly do you do at DraftKings and what exactly because I know you worked with a few football clubs in the past doing analytics and Mm -hmm. what exactly did you do with those there
1: yeah so um I'll start with the sports analytics stuff because that that came before DraftKings but um uh basically when I was in college I was a um, you know, I got really into sports analytics my freshman year, and uh, I ended up uh, landing a job with the Portland Timbers, which is a major league soccer team. And so uh, I basically was the first uh, analytics hire on sort of the recruitment side. And so I was working with the general manager to apply analytics to the player recruitment, player personnel process. So um, you know, looking at potential signings, performing statistical analysis on them. Um, Evaluating our current roster, salaries, things like that. Um, and so that was my main uh, initial experience in, in sports analytics. Um, so my background is, is you know, pretty heavily in soccer. However, I also wrote my senior thesis in college on uh, football analytics um, on using sort of simulations, statistical simulations to. Analyze different coaching decisions, so things like uh, should you go for it on fourth down, should you punt, um, should you go for two, um, and then some different rule changes, like you know how would we change the the distribution of scores in a game if we removed kickoffs and put the ball on the thirty yard line or something like that. Um, and so most of my background in football analytics comes from that side of sort of the simulation um, type approach, and I'm happy to talk a little bit more about that. So that's sort of my background in, in sports analytics and Um, 2018, I started the Measurables podcast, which is sort of um, like you mentioned, it's sort of an all skill level uh, type of sports analytics podcast that doesn't go too into the weeds on particular like methodologies, not throwing a ton of different math at you. It's more about the general theoretical concepts in sports analytics. And then I I spend a lot of time talking to people that work in the field, um, sort of an interview format. Um, so that's that's my background in in sports analytics I guess the team side of sports analytics um but I also have a, a big interest in sort of the business side of um or I guess the the application of analytics to the sports business and and that's where DraftKings comes in and so uh when I was graduating from college I was interested in getting into um the business side of sports and I was looking up to to land a role with DraftKings um I'm currently a senior business data analyst and so uh, my role is, is basically using and ends up using a lot of the same you know, statistical techniques and methods as I, as I did more on the team side and soccer and football, um, but applying them to, to business problems and you know Draftkings is a, is a company growing rapidly, um, you know, expanding into the sports betting vertical from you know, we were originally a DFS company. and so um, there's a lot of exciting projects and, and sort of you know, business questions to be answered and, and analytics plays a big part in answering those questions at Draftkings. and so, um that is that is what I do day to day there. See, a lot of people may not think that that's interesting,
0: but I, I think it's very interesting. Um where did you go to college at? I went to Harvard. Okay. That's wild. All right. So we got a Harvard business guy here doing analytics. Did you do anything at Harvard with sports analytics at all?
1: Yeah. So you know, I just uh, my, my real introduction to sports analytics came because uh, Harvard has a group called the Harvard Sports Analysis Collective. Um, and it's an undergraduate club, although a lot of graduate students tend to drop in from time to time, focusing on on sports analytics. And, um, and it's it'd been around for, you know, it's probably been around since 2005, 2006. Um, but it was one of the first collegiate sports analytics clubs. And, and there's been a lot of others that have popped up since. And you know, we meet weekly to discuss sports analytics. Um, we have a blog, it's, I think it's harvardsportsanalysis.org or something like that. Um, but writing for that blog and, and working with upperclassmen in, in the organization when I was younger was, was really my first exposure to sports analytics. It was my first opportunity to, to try answering questions with analytics and go through the research process of like, here, we're going to pose a question. Like, you know, for example, one of the blog posts I wrote was something stupid, like, uh, who are the biggest NBA all-star snubs of all time? Or over the past two years. And so you ask, you have a research question and you go through the process of um, developing a methodology to use and then you write a post about it. And so that whole process, you know, my introduction to that process came through that, that sports analysis club. Um, so yeah, that, that was my main involvement there and, and definitely a, the launching pad for a lot of the work I've done since.
0: Okay, so two follow up questions to what you just said. First is, according to the analytics, who is the biggest uh, NBA all star
1: snub? Um, so I, at the time, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm from Oregon, um, Blazers fan. And so me writing that post was, was largely my reaction to, um, Damon, CJ, being all-star snubs. Um, I think, I can't remember who was, and this was in like 2017, I want to say something like that. Um, at the time, I think those two were near the top and there may have been one other, I want to say like Chris Paul or someone like that, that was also a, a snub based on my model. Um, but uh, I'll admit it was definitely a little bit biased. Uh, I wanted, there was a particular answer I was trying to get to. I, my methodology was, I think, as sound as you can get for a stupid research question like that. But um, but those were sort of the findings.
0: Sports fans would never skew data to uh, make it biased to no. their team. And I don't know what you're talking about. It's, no. not, it's, not, it's not true. Yeah. So when you uh, create your models for what Mm -hmm. you do, uh, is there a certain language you use and what kind of applications do you use for anyone out there that may want to try it at home or something?
1: Yeah. So um, I use, you know, I think in sports analytics, the the main two languages people are using are R, um, capital R, and Python. Um, it's, you know, you can't really go wrong with either. Some people have a preference for one or the other. I've, I've kind of switched back and forth between both. They're very similar. Um, so those are the main languages I used, um, particularly when I worked for the Timbers and then was, was writing my thesis and I use them um, quite a bit in my, in my current job at DraftKings too. Uh, you know, Excel, everyone sort of uses Excel from time to time, particularly in the business world. Uh, and then SQL is a big one, um, SQL all caps um that is in many in many companies and many teams um your sort of database you query with sql um, language and it's not a hard language to learn most people learn on the job uh, but those are the languages that i'm that i'm using most of the time
0: yeah i saw your um you put up a poll asking if anyone yeah. knew sql before their job and i can say i took one um management information systems class at old miss uh and it's not a hard language to learn. I can no. read it understand it. I may not know how to code it for you well. I only studied it for two months. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's um, that's really interesting in how you, you do the different languages and all that to come to the answer. Uh, so analytics has really been around in sports for a while. We've seen it in so- soccer a lot. Um, I think football clubs were probably one of the first people that actually started hiring analytics uh, people to come in and do it. Uh, which is not really a huge sport in um, the U S even though it may be the biggest sport in the world. We've seen it in baseball. There's a whole movie made about it with Brad Pitt Um, basketball. You see it a lot, um, especially with like, I'm a Pelicans fan. And Mm -hmm. so with hiring Stan Van Gundy, he would rather, Hey, we're not going to shoot this mid range shot because the analytics say that is outdated. So we want three points. We want dunks, and we want free throws. And you're really starting to see football, college football in particular, pick up with analytics. So me being mm-hmm. at Ole Miss, uh, Lane Kiffin has uh, killed it with analytics this season. And that could be from a lack of talent in the special teams because Ole Miss does have that. Mm-hmm. But I, I noticed a lot early on that, you know, guys are really going for two a lot more this year. Yeah. And is that speaking to the analytics of that? And what what would you have to say about that in – how coaches should approach the game with the analytics.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, I, I don't follow college football quite as closely, but in the NFL, you're seeing a huge, huge increase in, in how often teams are are going for it on fourth down um, rather than in cases when they normally would have punted. Um, and that, that this year even versus you now it's been a trend the last few years, but this year it seems like it's gone off the charts and um, yeah, and I, and I think it is, it is a great sign that, that coaches are starting to buy into, um, the analytics and, and I think what's important is not, you know, I think one of the reasons that let's say that the reasons that the coaches are starting to do that more is not necessarily because they didn't believe the math before. Um, you know, I don't think it's all that difficult to understand that you should be going for it in these situations, even if you don't understand the underlying math. The problem is that if you're a coach say in the NFL. And you're being judged on your performance, um, and your team's performance. In, in the short term, you can't take a lot of risks because if you take a risk and it doesn't go well, even if it, that was the correct decision, you are going to be judged a lot more harshly than if you made the normal decision and it didn't go well. You know, if you if you go for it on fourth down and you don't get it, it happens, obviously. Um, you're going to get a lot more criticism and, and it's going to look like you made a mistake. Um, whereas if you did, if you punted it, like everybody's been doing for, you know, 50 years, everyone's going to be like, well, I mean, he did what he was supposed to do. So, you know, you can't blame him. Um, and so I think, I think one of the reasons we're starting to see more coaches do this is because they feel comfortable that the general public is not going to judge them more harshly if it doesn't go well um there sort of needs to be this public acceptance like a coach doesn't want to have to think well if I go for this then then talk radio is going to be all at my ass on Monday and if it doesn't work um you know we all need to sort of collectively fans media need to understand that these are the right decisions and that's what's going to make coaches comfortable doing that and I think we're finally starting to see that
0: yeah I've always said that like well you know if you go for two and you get it and you win the ball game at the end of the game you're you're a genius, and if you don't get yeah. it, it's like, well, you're stupid. But yeah. I think somebody that in in the college ranks for sure that were, and it may not have been he was pointing to the analytics, may have just been he was a he was feeling lucky that day. But Chris Peterson, uh, he called some wild plays when he was at Boise State, and they paid all for him. And I think you kind of got to take those risks with it. And a lot of even NFL teams and college football teams, they're hiring analytics guys like yourself to be on the sideline with them with the uh, official laminated play sheet. But it has Mm -hmm. all of, all of, Hey, what what we got going on here. And I think that's really good for the game. I think um, if you're fourth and two and you're on your own 42 yard line, I think you just got to go for it. You know, you're out of field goal range. You're really not in punt range. So it surprises me that it took a lot this long for coaches to realize that and accept it. But like you said, they, they feel like, well, let's just play it safe. And so I've always said, and I say always, but I've thought this a lot for the last three or four years is why do people spike the ball when you're running the hurry up offense? A lot of times at the end of the game, everybody said, run a play. You're, you're at the advantage of the offense. So, uh, what do the analytics say about that at all, if any? If you have an opinion
1: on that, um, that's an interesting one. I actually, I actually don't really know. Um, I have not seen the research on spiking the ball, so, um, but I will go look that up after this because that's a good point.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just it. It never makes. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Just because, hey, we're all sprint to the line to get set, uh, to basically waste it down, and yeah. you see, it costs a lot of teams. Syracuse, especially this a couple weekends ago, but you're set. Run the play. So, in in wrapping everything up, um, it's been really interesting talking to you for sure. Where do you see, for instance, with sports gambling? And you may not have a big hand in sports gambling, DraftKings or not, but where do you see like the analytics of that kind of going and affecting the the sports realm? uh, if that makes sense in any way to you.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think sports betting and analytics are closely related. I mean, I can't, you know, publicly speak to, to, you know, DraftKings specifically, but I will say that, you know, I think sports gambling and daily fantasy sports and all of these sort of games and even just fan, you know, regular season long fantasy sports before that have been big drivers of interest in sports analytics. Um, You know, I've talked to a lot of people. um, A lot of these sort of early adopters of sports analytics got into it because they wanted to be better at playing fantasy football. Um, And I think it's the same with with sports betting. I think you see, you know, people and, you know, they want to gain some sort of edge and and math seems like an interesting and or fun way to do it. Um, And so I think... Uh, sports betting and, and daily fantasy sports and fantasy sports and all of these sort of numbers based or outcome based sort of games around sports, um, are definitely big drivers of, of sports analytics. And I think, you know, um, I think you're going to see more people interested in using analytics as, as sports betting and, um, you know, fantasy sports is already quite popular, but as you know, these games get more popular and, and widespread. Um, i think you're going to see more interest in in analytics
0: yeah absolutely i'll tell you that i've taken a few statistics classes mm-hmm. and uh, i really thought it was going to make me a better gambler and that is absolutely the biggest law ever
1: <laughs> yeah it takes a few more than a few it's there's a i don't think many people can um, can translate that into to winning gambling all right so uh,
0: we always ask our guests um, at area sports we just kind of always ask them one random question that uh you weren't prepared for it kind of gets you on the spot a little bit gets you on your toes um i'm always interested to see what people um like to watch on tv and how they spend their free time so if you could only watch one tv show for the rest of your life um what which one would it be
1: oh that's a tough question and probably you want to show with a lot of seasons so you have a lot of content to. Uh to watch you don't want to run out quickly so um the office is always good i've watched that through a few times um it's got like nine seasons yeah um i would say veep i love veep but uh i don't think there's only like seven seasons of that so i'd probably go with the one with more seasons so i'll I'll go with the office
0: yeah and and uh, so two things here veep great show uh, the ending, the last season, uh didn't really end how I wanted it to. A lot of the character <laughs> development with it kind of went out the window, I, <laughs> yeah. and a lot of people are going to blame that on HBO. But um, Julia Louis Dreyfus, you know, in real life, she was dealing with a lot of uh, personal things with breast cancer mm-hmm. and all that. Uh, so I could, I definitely could see why there might that show might have been put on the back burner a little bit. Um, but it's interesting your take on that. Uh, do you do you know Yogi Roth at all? You ever heard of him?
1: No, I haven't.
0: So he's on the Pac-12 network and everything, and he came on, and he kind of had a different view of that as well. Uh You're looking at, well, you want something with a lot of content, and he was looking at it. Well, you know, because I think the way we posed the question was, if you're stranded on an island, and he was like, well, I think I'm going to watch something that would get me off this island. And I was like, oh, you're too smart for us. yeah. <laughs> But anyway, Brendan, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Everybody can follow Brendan on Twitter at Brendan Kent. You also check his uh, blogs out and his podcast, the measurables podcast. Brendan, the floor is your man. If you want to plug anything else, you're more than welcome. Uh,
1: Yeah. I mean, like like I said, check out the podcast. You can find it on Twitter at measurablespod, um, measurablespod measurablespod.com. It's on all the the platforms, you know, iTunes, Spotify. So check that out. uh, he referenced the Sports Analytics 101 blog. That's on my personal blog, which is brendankent.com. So, um, yeah, that's what I have out there at the moment. Well, great
0: stuff, man, as always. I uh, appreciate you coming on and look forward to uh, maybe having you back on again sometime
1: soon. Awesome. Thanks.
0: All right, so that was great stuff from Brendan Kent. He's uh, he's, a, he's a really cool dude. I uh, appreciate him so much for coming on and sharing the, uh, the analytics side of things. I'm really interested in that. So if uh if you all could just tweet him uh, let him know what you thought of it. Thank you for coming on the show. Uh his Measurable's podcast is uh is really it's a really good listen. I've listened to a few of those and he gets uh different people from the industry from, you know, the analytics and sports and obviously, you know, we discussed in the interview that, you know, soccer is a really big and, and doing that and they were kind of every football club basically has that and so he gets a lot of guys to, and, and, and girls uh to come on and talk about what they do in, in their day-to-day lives and stuff like that and so it's really a uh, really good listen he also puts out a lot of good blogs i've read that's how I, you know obviously i found him and uh, they're really interesting if you're you're into analytics uh, reach out to him he is he's a really cool dude uh very polite, he he replied almost instantly, and we got that thing set up pretty, pretty fast. So that's all we have for today. Um, Wednesday will be the mailbag, so send your questions in. I haven't asked uh, Brady Scott this yet, so um, hopefully he'll say yes, but I'm hoping to have Brady Scott on Wednesday. We're going to discuss uh, the college football playoff rankings that come out Tuesday, tomorrow night, and get his reaction to them. Um, I know he's been bitching a little bit about how crappy the committee is. And if you listen to anything that I, that we do, uh, you know I love getting Brady Scott riled up. So stay tuned for that. Um, I hope you all have a great Monday, a great week. Uh, we're coming down to the wire here in 2020. And it's holiday season, so uh, just uh, enjoy the holidays. And remember, uh, the show is on Apple Podcasts now, So um, please go uh, leave us a review, rate it. Uh, I would greatly appreciate that. I will read all the reviews, positive and negative, and give you a little shout-out on the show. And thank you for listening.
1: Thank you for listening to The Chandler Carney Show, brought to you by Air Raid Sports. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Air Raid Sports. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. And while you're there, leave us a review.